Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. Episode 58 starts out with a bit of a swerve. Instead of digging into more of the titles from DC's New 52, Graham McMillan and I talk Chester Brown's Paying for It and do a preview of Craig Thompson's Habibi. Not to worry, though, we also talk Blue Beetle, Catwoman, Red Hood and the Outsiders, Batman, as well as Wonder Woman, and many others. And with part two, we have even more discussion about even more books right around the corner. As always, we hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Mr. Lester, we meet again. Yes, Mr. McMillan, but this time, the advantage is mine. I can tell, you sound bold. You sound strengthened by recent crossing of the Rubicon. You've cu- you come through the crucible. <laughs> you come through a crucible? Is that what you did to crucible? I have no you idea. Cross a, no, you cross a Rubicon. You definitely cross a Rubicon. That's like a literal type that thing. That sounds like the yeah. start of a joke. Mm-hmm. What do you get yeah. if you cross a Rubicon with a... <laughs> and then, yeah, the joke is... the punchline's got to be Rome or something. But, yeah, and I think you do come through a crucible. Isn't that some sort of, like, thing where stuff is blended or smelted or something? <laughs> well, with that sort of skill set and knowledge base, Jeff, <laughs> I think clearly you're a, a master forger waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, I see, Mr. Crucible. I see how it is. Fine. <laughs> Why don't you just Jeff, tell Jeff, me Jeff, all about Jeff. it? Yes. I'm in such a bad mood today. Don't. Don't do that. <laughs> I am in such a bad mood. Really? It's kind of extraordinary. Wow. You know, I sort of saw some initial tweets, and of course, you know, mercenary that I am, I'm like, oh, good, it'll make for a great show. You know, like, (laughs) and then. Hooray! Uh, (laughs) And it's our mercy we're going to have to cut relatively short. um, Okay. Because I have somewhere to be tonight, I'm afraid. Oh, are you going to Jarrett Kobeck's reading? No, I didn't even know that. Oh, actually, maybe I was. Where is he reading? Uh, Modern Times Bookstore on 24th then, Street. Then no. <laughs> I am going to Comics Underground, which is a reading uh, and performance from comics professionals here in Portland. Uh, Greg Rucka, Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, and some other people who I can't actually remember are performing tonight. Wow. Um, they're, they're reading their work live in front of a live audience. Who else? Okay. Uh, Jamie Rich and Joel Jones are reading. Right, right. Nat- I think it's Nat- Natalie who? Nurigat. I'm possibly completely killing her name, mm. in which case, I'm really sorry. Um, she Nougat. is a member of Periscope Studios, and I want to say she does some webcomics as well. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, but that yeah, sounds yeah, like it'll be a, a hoot nanny. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, if completely nervous. But there you go. Are you nervous because you're in a horrible mood? Uh, partially. <laughs> also partially because Kelly Susie Connick's reading, which means that her husband's going to be there, which means that... I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, I was wondering if that was going to be a fact. Yeah, That's yeah. why I'm like, it's great. Like, you're going to that reading, you're in a bad mood. Yeah, I know. This fight. No. No, oh, no thing, I, I almost didn't go mm-hmm. to avoid any potential, like, stink eye or anything. Sure. Uh, and enough people have been like, really, you're being an idiot. Like, you... <laughs> you know I mean, like, you don't know this person. Right. Therefore, you know, really, what's the worst that can happen? Yes. Yeah, it's true. It'll and the answer fine. is, we'll find out. We, we will find out, won't we? Uh, it'll be fine, Graham. You're absolutely right, you know. The thing that's ironic, especially in light of various people concerned about us, like, stalking 
uh, Mr. Fraction, uh, is the fact that, as I recall, you and I bumped into him on the street at San Diego like a few years back. Um, do you remember? I totally don't remember. God, that is so funny. It, it was as we were trying to, yeah, we were trying to get into that. We tried. We got into that uh, that crazy-ass party where we saw Brubaker and, and Zoe Bell. Wait, did we have a fraction then? We we crossed we we sort of bumped into him in, on the street. We were crossing the street and he was walking along the oh sidewalk. Oh god, I totally don't remember that, which is hilarious. Yeah, see, there we go. <laughs> it it couldn't have and it couldn't have been more minimal. It was literally you were like, Oh hey, and he's like, Oh hey man and then they were walking, we were walking. Yeah, well, we'll see. See there, there's been a lot of, of water under the internet bridge since then. <laughs> Be fine. So, um, okay. Well, I, I also, I am going to uh, Jarek Kobeck's reading. Um, he is a listener to of the podcast. I, I know. I, I recognize the name. That's why mm-hmm. when you said a reading, I was like, is he a comics underground as well? Because I thought you weren't just setting me up for a joke. I thought maybe he was reading in Portland tonight. <laughs> no, I was trying to get you to come down. If it makes you feel any better, he's, pretty cl- he's reading very close to Dynamo Donuts, if that's something that... Uh, you're right. You. I'll, I'll make that 12-hour trip right now. <laughs> Get going. Now, very fast. Uh, yes, Jared Kobeck, uh, Atta, A-T-T-A, is his new book out from... Oh, I saw the email about that, and it's one mm-hmm. of the, again, sorry, listeners, 7 million emails I haven't responded to. <laughs> I'm actually a, a bit behind. So I will let everyone know how it is. He's written a fictionalized psychedelic biography of Muhammad Atta. Uh, that uh, the two excerpts that I've read, one on HTML Giant, and I don't remember where the other one is. Oh, over on Vice, actually, I thought were quite good. So uh, I will let everyone know. Good job. See, it's this way hype without stress. Uh, that, that's good. Thing. Hey, hmm? I have to um, say something to you about a comic that you read ages ago and wrote about in Savage Critics as part of a room table that I finally got around to reading this weekend. Oh my god, did you read Pain for it? Yes, I did. Oh my god. And what do you think? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really kind of breathtaking, isn't it? Mhm. Mhm. It really is. Did you read it this week? I yeah, I read I read it this weekend. Okay, cuz I'm just like this week is not the week for comics and representation of women in comics. Well, that's one of the reasons I'm in such a bad mood, but I'll tell you about that. After, after we took after yes. we stop recording, yeah. Um, after we start recording, stop recording. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, paying for it is. You know what it really is? It's kind yes. of stunning how willfully self-deluded he is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of blows my mind oh, how it's... to how much effort he is going to yeah. lie to himself, oh, and yeah. I'm not even meaning in terms of like you know making himself feel good about being a John. Because mm-hmm. that's that's that doesn't even come into it. It's the things like I'm positive this woman was not a sex slave because sex slaves fit this very specific definition. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's like really, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like that sort of thing really blew my mind. Really, yeah. I, I I was speechless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The appendices make the book. Oh my god. As, the rest of the book is kind of horrible for a better way of putting it mm-hmm. but then the appendices take it into this whole new level see 
I I don't know if you if you bothered with our old nine million word. Uh, oh, I did. That's why I picked this book uh, up. It's okay. on the live page. Good, good, good. Because I actually think the the level of craft, his his cartooning craft, and sort of his commitment to, I I think some of the approaches that he takes are kind of breathtaking. He's definitely one of those dudes where I think his craft is. Uh, a, pretty astonishing but then when you get into this level <laughs> of like his craft is in service of yeah oh my god he's like hmm let me t- I've gazed into the future let me tell you about planet prostitute oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> that really that is, is that is really you know you have to stop every other thought process in your mind because it is so overwhelmingly funny yeah yeah that, in that, 2080 that Alice <laughs> has sex with a boyfriend for mo- money but her mother is okay with this because her mother also has sex with boyfriends for money therefore everything is fine <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating that's his argument yeah yeah no I know <laughs> it's kind of spectacular it's yeah, kind of paying for it is I, you know here's a pun I'm glad I didn't actually pay for it ha 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 it's what how much I can't even see because this is oh, it... funny let me uh, look over on my bookshelf, my friend. Did you actually pay money for it? I actually did. I actually paid for it for okay, it. Okay, do, do you regret buying it? Well, you know, here's the thing. One, uh, and this is something that I feel like my listeners should be, our listeners should be aware of at all times, is when I buy stuff from Comics Experience, I still get the employee get discount. discount yeah. yeah, so it's it's not like I paid full price for it. But, um, but in terms of... Am I glad I picked it up? I think that it was one of those situations where I'm a I'm a little antsy about it, you know, like 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 ethically dicey. I don't I think it there's a lot of book there. I was actually really glad that considering the symposium was such a big ass thing that took place over a couple of weeks that you know, I had this. If I'd gotten a galley or something like that, I think I would have been pleased in some ways. But, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's a chunk of reading. It's oh, not yeah. something you get through quickly. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's you, funny. I'm, I'm leaping through it as we're talking and just remembering things where he's like, 28 sounds really old. And like two pages later, he celebrates his 40th birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know I what know. I mean? And then mm-hmm. he's like, about 18. And you kind of want to be like, at what point I mean I guess he's got this quote unquote dedication to telling the truth mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's also like your truth is kind of creepy oh totally totally I, I, you know but I think like, you don't, like, I don't think he is aware of that at all do you mm-hmm. know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah no definitely some of the or, stuff or his, from his yeah. judgment of the woman yeah do you know where, I mean where he's like where he's, he gives some reviews in his head while he's having sex with him mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. There's a lot of it where you're just like you're you're a really unpleasant guy. <laughs> you know, I think honest, and this is this is perhaps wrong for me to assume, but I just there's part of me that kind of thinks that he's a broken robot. You know that that Chester Brown is got some sort of weird quasi Aspergerian type thing going on that just and and again I think that, you know he makes a really great argument against sex work in the course of paying for it because you see how the process, which is, and it is the process that, that worries me the most about sex work is by objectifying and, and quantifying by turning human relationships into a financial transaction. It makes, 
it, it only speeds up the seeds of objectification that much faster, you know? So I think in a way he starts, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, there are a lot of Johns that start out with like, I just want a pretty woman to talk to me. And then, you know, oh, it's, it's six kind of, years down the road, he's it's like... It's kind of stunning how dehumanized he becomes so quickly in the space of the book. I mean, obviously the timeline is really compressed in the book. Super compressed and weird. But nonetheless, you know, if you compare... You know, the first three chapters mm-hmm. with the last three chapters. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of stunning. And it's, it really is more than just misogyny. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, at some point, he actually becomes misanthropic. He, he just becomes disconnected from humanity in general. Well, you know, I, it's weird because, I, and this is where I, I, I run the risk of my, my theory is, is that he was just disconnected from humanity all along. You know, and I could be wrong, but I, I mean, think I'm, what, he just unlearns to hide it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he just stops trying to to pass for more or less normal. You know, I mean, he's got people who he's got a very he's got friends who and his friends who talk about him in his in the afterward are very much like, uh, yeah, Chester Brown is like. A very strange guy, but it's ironic because I think he would make a great boyfriend or a great husband, you know. I think he has a sense of, you know, I'm going to do what is right. It's just his definitions of what is right are A, skewed, and B, like all of us, able, capable of being skewed a little bit more. So, you know, again, I think if... I I just think that yeah I think that because I mean if you if you I mean it's tough to tell from his company the the company that he keeps but I just kind of get the sense that he's not he's not altogether normal at the beginning of it you know oh I I I think that much is clear but I think that he becomes less so Mm. as as it goes on and to a kind um I don't know you're right he does make I think a very good case against. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's funny. Also funny. Uh, the quotes on the back of the book are hilarious, especially Neil Gaiman's and Alan Moore's. Alan Moore's in particular is completely hilarious, um, and I don't know if anyone realized how funny it was when they actually put it on the book. Uh, this book a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, this book will love you long time. Yeah, that I can't even Seriously, believe they, they left didn't that strip in. That off. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm kind of stuck. But uh, yeah, Neil Gaiman's is hilarious as well. The one about this book taught me a lot about myself. Did <laughs> <laughs> it? It does. It totally does. Because I think it teaches you a lot about Neil Gaiman. <laughs> it did. I was like, God, I understand Neil Gaiman so much. No, because I think that I do think that there is this because Brown puts himself out there. I think relatively warts and all ish. There, I think it's very easy to like have a sense of what's okay and not okay like I don't I guess, feel I guess, I guess what it is is I think because of the way that the book is mm-hmm. and because of the way that Chester Brown is mm-hmm. you you have to come up with I guess your own rebuttal or at least your, uh, address your own feelings on the subject yes right however I'm not sure that that actually taught me anything about myself I didn't know does that make sense uh, yeah sure I, I think it can only really teach you something about yourself if you've never really considered the subject before Mm, well, that while that could be, for example, I was 
surprised that when I picked up the book and I think that I have spent some time thinking about it, I do think that that sex work is should be legalized, for example, and regulated, and that it's can be important, really important in our society and our culture. Um, and after finishing the book, like I said, I feel like you feel less of. Uh, yeah, like I feel like it's a lot more dangerous and damaging on the soul than I think I had realized going into it. See, this is where I'm cynical because I agree that I think it needs to be legalized and I think that it it can be very useful, mm-hmm. I guess, for want of a better way of putting it. But I don't think I was ever unaware of mm-hmm. how completely um, horrible it can be for everyone involved mm-hmm. and how it can essentially emphasize bad aspects within people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. dehumanize uh, uh, a relationship by which I don't mean like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship as much as like just the way you relate with another human being. Yes. And so again, that's what I mean. Like I, I think I think it can teach you, but I think, I don't know. I don't think it necessarily will depending on whether, I, I think it depends on the level you've ever really approached the subject before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could be. I mean, it certainly seemed to be uh, the consensus of certainly most of the other critics. And for that matter, I think that um, it's interesting to me. I feel like the book is more or less passed over in silence. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I think it's very difficult to talk about it. Oh, yeah, I think because so. Because you don't want to... I guess you don't want to come across as condemning anyone involved in it, if that makes sense. Right. I think there's a sense of liberal guilt that you don't want to be like, well, you know, Chester Brown is kind of being a bit weird. Right. And, you know, he's completely taking advantage of these women who have nonetheless put themselves in that situation because that's their right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it becomes this sort of weird, you have to justify everyone's behavior in it. And it's much easier to just not. <laughs> but you right. just be like, that crazy guy did a book, but let's not talk about it. Meanwhile, right. Batman. Yeah, know? exactly. No, and I think I think that's super important. It is very hard when this stuff gets put out there and it's like, ah, ha, ha, ah, hi. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, I'm fascinated because I have been, I'm only, God, only, he says, I'm only like 150 pages into Habibi. And I think at least so far, it's going to present a, a, a... It could potentially present a shit ton of similar challenges for people in the sense of, do we talk about it? How do we talk about it? Also, it's like, it's this big, huge, major cartooning achievement. What do we do if the subject matter is uh, icky as hell? Because currently, where I'm sitting at, at 150 pages in, which is honestly... Um, like I think maybe a fifth of the book so it is far too soon to judge I found myself at various states of like wow this is lovely but I am so like I don't know how I'm going to be able to talk about this without seeming like I'm coming down on it with you know both feet on its spine you know so I, I'm I'm really curious to read it I was uh, talked to Douglas Wolk last week um, and he had a preview copy Mm-hmm. And he was basically just teasing me by going, look at this, look at this spread. And I was kind of like, ooh, ooh yeah. I want to read that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm nowhere near having a chance, yeah. Yeah, it, it's the, the, the level of craft is staggering. 
And I think, honestly, it sort of solidifies my belief that um, Craig Thompson is like the spiritual heir to Will Eisner. I mean, just in terms of, to me, the lines always look alike, but there's a lot of storytelling nuance and schmaltz, but also just, just technical skills and chops and a formalistic way of thinking about the page. His Some of the shit that he does for the composition of the page staggers me. Like, I mean, it really, it's staggeringly great, but... Oh, I, I Douglas was incredibly complimentary about the book, on a, on a technical level. Yeah, and that... He, he basically said, you know, this is the book that he's wanted Thompson to make. Because mm-hmm. he, he had the same problem with Blankets that I did, which mm-hmm. is Blankets is an exceptionally sentimental book. Oh, yeah. Uh, to the point where it completely gets it's it's overly precious and it completely mm-hmm. gets wrapped up in that yeah um, and he, he basically is like you know I think he's addressed that to enough of a level in her BB hmm. that, that he thinks is basically the book where Thompson arrives interesting that's uh, it'll be interesting to see if I feel that way by the time I get to the end so uh, what struck me is like for example reading Sean Collins piece about it which struck me as both a great introduction to the work and just an absolutely impressive like four star lesson in how to tiptoe around talking about a book and what you thought of it so <laughs> um, so I am kind of curious like I just sort of maybe I think I'm probably biased from that regard of like huh I wonder how people are going to be able to actually talk about and engage this book when there are things that are very difficult to engage with I think so well, very interesting I look forward to hopefully reading it soon and we can talk we can yeah. discuss exactly exactly I was and in fact part of me was kind of because I didn't actually pick up that many books from the store yesterday I was like oh I'll just read Habibi and then I'll just casually talk about it and, and then of course by this morning I was like son of a bitch this thing's a monster isn't it like you know? 600 pages or something yeah it's 750 or something yeah it's I mean, really it's... really fucking long yeah 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 I mean it it looks like a fucking Gutenberg bible over there in the corner of my room well uh, we, we can talk about books that we've read that aren't the, the, this week's books I'm trying to think what else I've read uh, well you've read all those exciting DC books or do you yeah. not want to talk about them Graham <laughs> well to be honest part of me doesn't want to talk about them um <laughs> This is a crazy week. What ones did you buy? Okay, uh, I I bought on Hibbs's recommendation. And you bought Blue Beetle because he really liked it. Yes, I did. I bought Blue Beetle number one, mm-hmm. and it struck me. Uh, Hibbs really seemed to like it in a way that suggested to me that he uh, didn't read or care much for the original run. <clears throat> I, oh, so, so you, did you also get the? This is just like Blue Beetle before, but less so absolutely like yes. it it was so like huh like the difference between drinking like like regular milk and like fat free milk i was like technically it's got everything in it that milk has and yet yeah it's it's not actually bad mm-hmm. it's just not as good as it used to be absolutely absolutely so, so it's completely solid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can see Hibbs's point. Part of what he loved about it was it was very much like, hey, it's an origin issue. Like, you start from yeah, the ground this up. this is the start. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. But, but for someone who read that run, and I guess because that run was, A, not especially long, and B, not too long ago, I, I did have that thing of like, wow, this really is like, yeah, the same but less so. 
Um, uh, I picked it up. It's fine though. I oh mean, yeah, no, no, no. I I didn't like go and kick a cat for having bought it or anything like that. But you know, but I definitely was kind of like, huh? You know, this thing of like, I I'm fascinated with Hibbs and reading Hibbs's reviews, which uh, I I should mention to our listeners that Hibbs is the only person at SavageCritic.com who is putting up reviews at that site of all the books. Even though wait, wait until the month's over, my friend. I'm going to do one post of fifty two. Oh, you ambitious bastard. Well, yes. I've got, it's got to be short reviews of each book, but yeah, right. I'm going to do all Well, that's okay. Like, Hibbs' last one where he's running out of time, like, he, it was like bibble. You know what I mean? Like, he was just like, okay, so I'm getting to the end here. And his, his, I don't even remember what the books were that he covered, but it, it pretty much was like, noun, scraping, okay. You know, verb, here I am, hamster, good. You know, like, okay, I was is like... Is this the one where he's talking about Legion Lost and all those books? Yeah, I think that might be it. Where I was just like, dude, I, I barely... I don't know if you're selling... If you're reviewing the oh, yeah, books no, no, to no, me. The Resurrection Man review is spectacular. Okay, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe not tights, but I didn't know where else to put this one. Didn't care much anyway. Very eight, but then so was the original series. And that's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, uh, oh, well. Um, so, you know, I, I was kind of, ooh, Abhay did a review on, uh, on Catwoman? Catwoman. Oh, I haven't read this. I'm behind. I was so crazed trying to get, uh, wait, did what, you, 50 Did you buy Catwoman? I did not buy Catwoman. I basically had that wonderful experience of flipping through Catwoman while Hibbs stood, like, about eight inches away from me and gesticulated wildly. Uh, which was probably better than the, but is better than the book itself, which I read later through um, <coughs> various other means. And um, yeah, boy, Catwoman, are we going to go there now? Did you want to go there? Like, I... Uh, I, I am, I am somewhat Catwoman's out. I figured um, you might be. I, I made a, a post about it yesterday on Blogat, which led to a two sets of back and forths. Um, with various people behind the scenes in Newsarama. <laughs> right. Um, and I am, I am pretty Catwoman out. I will leave it at this. I don't think it's a good comic at all. Yes. And I am really, um, how can I say this? Kind of disturbed by the people who don't get why it's not a good comic. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, yeah. the, 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 what I keep getting, and I've had a lot of fucking email about this. <laughs> I'm not joking. And worryingly, I have a lot of email to my personal address, which oh, isn't out there. That's interesting, too. That's really um, surprising. From complete strangers. And the point is basically, their point is basically this. What do you have against superheroes fucking? Mm-hmm. And the response is, if that's all you think that my problem with the comic was. Right. Right. No, I... Then, well, then we're not really... Yeah. We're not in the same page. I, I, I mean, I think the thing that's really frustrating about that book is, uh, hmm, is there's something, there's something where uh, essentially conservative about the bulk of comic book culture that when you re, when you say, hey, this is not okay about something, the part that they pick out, um, is not is, the part that you're saying it's not okay. Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, or or rather, it's such a cumulative thing. Like you know, the there's there you know the idea of superheroes fucking is 
to me in itself not an especially horrible thing. I've joked. I, I, I honestly think it's kind of funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think it's kind of dumb. Yes. But I don't get upset about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. I, I love the fact somebody on Twitter posted that that great panel from Colleen Coover's comic. Uh, you know, it's like here's a great you know. Here's how a superhero should have sex, and it's it's from Colin Coover's amazing Robin, the Boy Wonder comic, where like Robin's in the background like kicking people and going like yeah take that, and then Batwoman and Cat, uh, Batman and Catwoman are like so gonna come by tonight sure leave the window unlocked kind of thing, and I thought that was that was clever. I mean I don't know I think this is. As I think I mentioned to you, everything about the new DC, because I swear to God, I'm not sure that I've read a single issue where I've not seen the back of somebody's head, someone's face being removed, people like, like, like really absurd levels of objectification of women that make me feel like everything about this is the, the the new DC and not everything, but the vast swath of it seems to be aimed at the 15 year old kids who are sneaking into movies, you know, like every, it's just, it's the, the, the Catwoman, the end of Catwoman, the Catwoman and Batman scene having sex mm-hmm. is essentially the Joker's face being ripped off. Yeah. Like in terms of story logic, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous, but it's on that level. Mm-hmm. My problem with the comic mm-hmm. is that Catwoman is, a entirely objectified throughout the entire comic. Oh yeah. I mean, there are four scenes in the comic. Mm-hmm. In only one of them does she stay fully clothed the entire time. Yeah. Right. Um, but also, she's entirely reactive, if not downright passive. Mm. She mm. doesn't do anything for herself apart from twice, and in both those occasions, she's not doing it intentionally. She's doing it because she's been overcome by emotion, and what she's doing is bad for her. Right. Yeah. And just in terms of that's how you're presenting your lead character in your comic. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why it's bad. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, even ignoring the sexist part of it, even ignoring the misogynism, even ignoring all of that objectification of women right. part, you're just, you're under, you're destroying your main character. Right. Your main character comes across as this incredibly passive person. Who has has to have people do things for her because she will not do anything herself? Well, it's also kind of this weird, like I don't know, you know, the 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 closest way of trying to translate this into nerd speak is very much of like you don't you don't start with season five Buffy with season in season one. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if that necessarily makes well, sense. But I, it, I, in the back and forth I've had with various people about this, I've mm-hmm. kind of come to the idea of. There's, for me, there's nothing wrong with starting a story with the character being in a very bad place. Right. And the story is about them getting out of that bad place. Yes. There's too much of that in this first issue, and there's no sign that she even is aware she's in a bad place. Right. Or can get out of it. Right. And I think there is this thing, for me, of... Uh, I'm not entirely... like. Like, you just have to be cautious when you do that. Like, I really am. I'm like, okay, you, I can see where that's... Like you said, like you, I don't necessarily have a problem with that storyline. I just also think when you have so few titles coming out from DC with lead characters who are women in it, I just think it's it's a really shitty wrong foot to... to, to yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I think especially with someone with the name recognition of Catwoman... 
Mm-hmm. And also, with Catwoman as she was being portrayed, you know, five years ago, or whatever. Right. Well, you know, it, it's such a backward step for the character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. But then again, like com- backward step is it's nothing compared with Starfire and that Red Hood comic. Wow. Yeah, that that was actually that when I sat down and read, of course, because that was the book where I'm like, oh, wow, there's like an there's like an arrow sticking out of that guy's brain. Wow, there's the back of the person's head exposed that they're trying to cover up with half a word balloon. You know, it's like by the time I got to the that 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 frat boy fantasy scene, I was just like, I'm really creeped out by this book altogether like it just struck me as um and it's that it's that classic like oh but you oh know. The, that, that book that book's trying way way too hard and the problem i have is people being like but it's a comedy and it's like fuck you right <laughs> really right. seriously if that's your defense fuck you right no i i i think there is there's something about it there is it's that level of when somebody tries to tell you like a completely inappropriate joke you know or like it's like it's it's when someone says something that is exceptionally offensive and then you're like i'm only joking no no, i I don't care i don't care you're joking yeah it's it's like an exceptionally gross joke and additionally because you don't know me again this the first issue is sort of putting your first foot forward there is this assumption of like oh but you know we're all into this right you know and i'm just like whoa like back it up a little bit you know like i do not think that this is okay i think this is terrible uh way of handling the character i think that it's i don't know you know it's interesting i'm like i'm not a prude and yet i find that completely gross in a way that is just like it ah oh it's just bad i mean there really is this like there's i i have been hit with the you're a prude or are you trying to define normal sex Mm -hmm. thing more than once today Mm -hmm. and here's the thing i think the people who say that are the people who are prudish and trying to define normal sex i don't think saying for example in catwoman the reason i got that was because i was saying to someone that um it's not enjoyable sex in catwoman it's Mm -hmm. not pleasurable sex Mm mm-hmm and basically got that was how can you say it and it's like it's in the story mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like it's actually on the page she is doing it because she has no gap Celine Kyle has no way of experiencing emotional intimacy and is instead trying to distract by physical intimacy and you can see in her face and her expression and the fact that you know right. she actually says I don't know who this man is mm-hmm. like this is not quote unquote enjoyable for her right do you know what I mean? Like, this is something else. And this speaks to a broken person. And right. again, there's nothing wrong with the character, central character being broken. Right. However, you cannot tell me that that is empowering for that character. You cannot tell me that I am missing something and it's just I'm trying to project my cultural norm onto them. Well, Do you know what I mean? Like, because all of that is in the text. You know, it, uh, true, which is a good point. Um, the other thing that I think that is sort of worth flipping this around on that I just sort of flashed on uh, is, and this is going to be a very weird comparison and contrast, but the first issue of Brian Bendis' Alias, right? Like, you have a scene in Alias, Jessica Jones is a damaged individual. Honestly, Catwoman really reminded me of Alias. Mm. Really really reminded me of Alias because of that scene. Right. But I think the Bendis handled it so much better. 
a million times better. And part of the reason is, I think, in a way, putting it at the front of the comic, not the back. Yes, yes. You know, but that also, is a huge deal. But also, there's so, it is a huge deal because something comes after it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he addresses that scene, as opposed to Catwoman, which it, it's, it's the completely pun not intended, although it's kind of intended. It's yeah. the money shot of the book. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, the, the, the entire placement of that scene is, look, they're fucking... Right. And that's such a, a childish idea. Mm-hmm. It's such a... Sex by itself has to be uh, narratively worthwhile, I guess. For mm-hmm. that, it has to be such a novelty. Mm-hmm. For for that to to not seem gratuitous, right? And also, you didn't buy Catwoman, right? Uh, no. So, so the the, ca- the captions while it's going on. Yeah, I mean, you you'll have seen this online. You know, she's basically talking about how she doesn't want it, she needs it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Batman normally protests, then he gives in. Right. Um, and she says, and most of the costumes stay on. The title of the issue is Most of the Costumes Stay On. Exactly, exactly. And that appears on the third page where Catwoman leaps out of a window with one breast exposed. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a great title for the comic, but not for the reasons they think. Right. Well, or rather, again, I think it under to me it underscores the the part of the problem with it is that this is this is the point of the book, you know, like every other way that it's described and dressed up, this is supposed to be the point of the book. Hey, oh, this is this is the book too. I mean, this is it's, this is Tyrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. This is, I, this is Jim Ballard's Catwoman. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, you know I mean, which yeah, is yeah. such a shame because mm-hmm. Catwoman really evolved as a character. Right after really Jim Ballant left the book. book. Uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, although again, it's this thing: things get confused and lost. I, I was thinking about it like some of the other bullshit that they were doing with Catwoman before they rebooted. I not in any way justifying this, mind you, but I was like, man, that character is for, weirdly a very difficult one to get for for I don't know for for writers to get and it's maybe because it's like a lot of male writers you know yeah I, th- I, mean, I think it's a real problem for male writers to understand the concept of a um of basically a woman who's completely comfortable with herself right right and like all aspects the, of herself right and that shorthand inevitably like guys are like oh no that, I totally that shorthand that. turns into I will fuck whoever I want yeah exactly exactly like just directly there and it's such a like no you idiots no and it's it's really it's it's so profoundly frustrating and I can I can understand where honestly I can understand why other why people are trying to engage with you because I think there are I mean I'm sure you're also getting the guys who are like no you're wrong and I want to fight about it but I also think there are a lot of people because there were some people in the comments in your blog at post your original blog at post who were like I I don't get it you know like I don't understand what your objections are like she is seeing like she's having sex like you know what I mean like there's no there's no concept of um I just feel like our culture so presents this as 
a lazy and really technically demeaning form of shorthand that that the people do not get it. They're like, I See, do not get th- what's this wrong. This is kind of fascinating because in one of the exchanges with someone from Newsarama, which may or may not go up on the site, mm. um, that's essentially the argument that's, pro- that's provided against me. Mm-hmm. That it's completely okay because she is a woman who is in charge of her own destiny and empowered. And this is completely consensual sex, so what's the problem? Right. And it's kind of like, that's not really what's happening in the scene at all. Right. Or in the book. Right. <laughs> at any point. Right. Right. No, I agree. And But, you know, it, but here's my other thing. It's, again, the, it's, it's, it has so much to do with the framework. Like, if there were, if there was really any other scene of her being quote unquote empowered in the book that, that would be one thing you that's know the thing. if the mm-hmm. book if that scene if the sex was at the end of the book and it was an entirely different open fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if the book did not concentrate on her cleavage so much mm-hmm. fine if right. she was not reactive to the entire fucking book fine right. if at any point she make a decision to take control of her own destiny yeah and not essentially screw up while doing it fine mm-hmm. it's the collusion of everything the cl- exactly, which it, it, which ends up leading to this classic sort of like, um, you know, it, it be, all of that builds to this point where it's like people say what they want, but the but what you're seeing is guys who are like, yeah, 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 this is what we have to say in order to make it okay to show her in her bra and fucking people, you know? And and, and did you see uh, Judd Winnick's response? No, I didn't. Oh, it's 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 appalling. Really? <laughs> it's one of those things where I, you know, if I did not, if it did not appear on Blogat, which is like where it was actually it first appeared, mm-hmm. uh, I would have made fun of it for for the entire day. <laughs> this is a Catwoman for 2011, and my approach to her character and actions reflect someone who lived in our times and wears a cat suit and steals. It's a tale that is part crime story, part mystery, and part romance. In that, you will find action, suspense, and passion. Each of those qualities at times play to their extremes. Catwoman is, rich, is a character rich, with rich comic book history, and my hope is the readers will continue to join us as the adventures continues. That's his response. In its uh, entirety. Uh, I have to go look at that, because I'm a little confused. So Judd Winnick says that he actually reflects someone who lives in our times and wears a cat suit and steals. Oh, okay, all right. There was something where I'm like, wait, Judd Winnick is saying that he lives in our times and he wears a cat yes, suit and he's, steals? He's just, come on, Judd Winnick's just on the road from you. I mean, yeah, I mean, we all, who all, we all do that. I mean, you know, it's really weird. It's kind of, I thought I was using an iPad, but apparently I was wearing a cat suit and stealing. I, uh, wow, that is it, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there, there is no more. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 horrible. Well, I mean, it, if you think about it, Graham, it is part mystery. What, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> and it's part crime story. It's a crime what they did to Catwoman. So, wah, if you, wah, wah. <laughs> did you read Batman Number One by Scott Snyder yes, and Greg Capullo? Yes, talking about crime stories. Yes, let's move on. Batman Number One. I did read it. Yeah, and uh, did you like it? I dug it. Yeah, you didn't like it. I, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't know. Like, it. I just didn't love it. I thought. I thought it was perfectly okay. Part of the problem is I read it after I read Nightwing, and oh. the two of them essentially have the same ending. 
Actually, the, the, I read Batman yesterday and was like, mmm, and then I read Nightwing today, and I was like, huh. Well, actually, part of me was, when I finished Batman number one, I'm like, how the fuck are they going to tie this in? Like, With this Nightwing. Doesn't... And yeah. then you read Nightwing, and you're like, is this actually a crossover? Or are the two of them doing the same story? Right. You don't know because, A, let's face it, I'm not sure I trust DC to actually know as as yeah, I think what someone... the other what each other are doing. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. I think yeah. they're both the same actor show they're doing. I I think they're both Mike Mars. I know. I'm checking. Uh, ba, 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 ba. I see Batman's definitely Mike Yeah, Marks. definitely Mike uh, Mars. No, Bobby Chase is Nightwing. So it is a different editor. Wow. So right. So you've got this moment of like is it? Isn't it? It would be really embarrassing if there's two separate, like, Nightwing is, you know, Dick Grayson yeah, is, is a mysterious is Dick killer. Dick a bad guy. However, yeah. if it's a crossover, I actually kind of like that idea. Right. I like the idea that both the characters going to be dealing with the same mystery at, right. at an angle. Yeah. Um, of the two books, I'd say I think Batman was much better than Nightwing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of felt the same, too, uh, in part because Nightwing had some things that kind of bothered me. The thing that's interesting to me also is, is that this issue of Batman... I don't know, you know, I kind of had this weird, for me, there's a weird, like, this only works in uh, an issue that only works in the New 52. Because I had this, like, you know, is the killer Dick Grayson at the end of Batman number one? I'm like, well, no. Okay, let's move on. You know, like, I was kind of like, all right. And that is a, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just, I'm no, like, there's, there's no isn't way. The, isn't the mystery that someone has managed to copy his DNA as opposed to, is it really Dick Grayson? Uh, th- uh, I just, no. like I just bolted past the. Is it really to Grayson? Well, yeah, you don't have to, but that's not that. That is not what's implicit or stated, that's right? You know what I mean? There is kind of this level of like I think they're supposed to be making you think, huh? Well, this is the new fifty-two, and what if? And Here, we do know my, that Dan DiDio doesn't like Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. and it's not really a problem with Batman as much as it's a problem with the Batman titles. Mm-hmm. I've read Batman, Batman, Robin, and Detective, right? And it feels like three different characters. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I, I can, I can totally see that. I mean, it's certainly the case with whatever's going on with Detective and Batman, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it is, it's a mess, isn't it? It really is kind of like, I mean, it, it feels like three different takes on the same character, sure, but it doesn't feel like the same character in three different books. You know, and, and, and it, it, you know, in all of them as well, for that matter, Nightwing doesn't feel like Nightwing in Nightwing. Um, Nightwing doesn't feel like uh, Dick Grayson and Batman. Yeah. Uh, Damian Wayne in Batman Robin doesn't feel like Damian Wayne in Batman. Right. It's it's a real problem that these characters all seem like different characters in individual books. Yeah. Yeah, and it's fascinating to me. Part of me would be like, well, I'd probably be okay with this if there was uh, sort of an acknowledgement that the books aren't going to tie together, I guess. You know, like, if it was something like what Marvel was doing back in, like, 2000, 2001. Well, they're essentially like, this is the book, this is another book. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, and it was sort of more or less stated up front. I was like, it took me a while, I got used to it, and then it sort of became my preferred mode of like, oh, okay, these are all sort of free-floating pieces. In fact, in some ways, uh, the DC-52 is still a little too close together, I think. You know, like, some of the references in... Uh, Red Hood and the Outsiders was I was like okay this feels partic- it feels like a it feels like a rejected Teen Titans pitch uh, but there's also references to the fact that Starfire was in the Teen Titans and yeah, at that point like, what yeah just like don't 
don't do that. That's really bad. Like it's, not it's only what, that's actually appeared all across the line. It's really a problem. It's like mm-hmm. if you're trying to restart, don't in your first issue make re- make references to stuff. Especially if all these characters are supposed to have appeared for five years. Yes. Yeah. So I, like I, that's a real problem because you're essentially mm-hmm. trying to build in all of the continuity, at least all the post-crisis continuity, which is you know twenty-five fucking years. Yeah. And then squashed into five years worth of time. It's, yeah. There's no point in rebooting if you're trying to do that. Yeah, it's a huge mistake. Uh, uh, Graham, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, do I have children fighting outside my window? I do. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, Nestor's kids are, are playing. Oh, uh, okay. Playing screaming. <laughs> they are playing screaming. Kids yeah. love that game. That is pretty much their favorite game. Yeah, like, yeah this is this is getting quiet. Let me scream. Uh, Wonder Woman number one. Did you read it? Uh, I did. Before we get on to that, I just want to say Greg Capullo's art in Batman was very enjoyable and his Joker was spectacular. Thank you. I kind of thought that you would dig his art. I, it's interesting to me because I was actually expecting it to be even more... Oh, there, there's pages that are much better than others. And the sequences mm-hmm. are much better than others. Yeah. Uh, I think the sequence in the party is mm-hmm. really kind of weak. In part mm-hmm. because all his characters and all his faces look the same. And also, apparently Nightwing is the same age as Tim Drake. Yeah, that's... He's short and very young, and it's like, really? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, his his Batman in particular, uh, especially oh, yeah. where it's Batman and Harvey Bullock, is a great art. Yeah. Really, really good. Really, yeah. really well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And talking nice art, Cliff Chang is the star of Wonder Woman. Oh, God, yes. I, I don't think I would have... I mean, I bought the book specifically for Cliff Chang, and, you know... In a way, I gotta say that uh, this is—I liked this Brian Azzarello story more or less by comparison of everything that it's it's up against. Which isn't to say that the rest of the new DC is different. I'm just glad that this take, this first issue of Wonder Woman, feels different. Is a different approach to telling a first issue than a lot of the other books. Yes. You know, there is no attempt to kind of awkwardly cram in yeah, like, there's no, this is everything you've ever missed yeah exactly and I was so fucking great for it I really had I had I finished the book with questions and it sort of felt like on the one hand they were they they were like the sort of questions that I would have if the if it was the first issue of Wonder Woman that I was picking up you know yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know who this character is. I don't necessarily know where the status quo is, um, but but everything more or less made sense. And yeah. no, I, 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 think it's, I think the story is much weaker than the art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, I'm yeah. not completely sold in the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I love the art. I mean, really, it was one of those books where, like, Cliff Chang and Matt Wilson, you are great. Yeah. I, I genuinely would buy the next issue for the art one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm definitely signed up. I dig it. I think it. Um, but yeah, we will we'll see where it goes. Cause yeah, I'm sort of the same way. Not entirely sold on the story. And um, God, who was it? Was it? Uh, yeah, Matt Wilson on the colors. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Matt Wilson. Um, I want to say Matt Wilson was the guy who colored um, Thor: The Mighty Avenger. Oh, I might I might be wrong about that. His name is definitely familiar to me for some reason. But if he is, then um, he's he's done some great work in the past <laughs> wow well so those are the end of the DC books that I 
spot. There's a few others that I've read on the down low, although I don't know if there's really... Did you read Supergirl? I did read Supergirl, in fact, and that was another one. I really kind of liked Supergirl, and I Mm -hmm. was kind of surprised by that. Superboy Mm -hmm. and Supergirl, I'm kind of surprised by how, and this sounds completely telling, how composite they were. Right. Um, No, but they they do the job. They do Mm -hmm. the job pretty well. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, Supergirl is a really nice first issue. Yeah. It's not going to change anyone's world, but it's completely, you know, it's it's clean. It's Mm -hmm. understandable. It's, I think it's attractively illustrated. Right. Like, I, I think it's, I think it works. It's one of those that I think, uh, again, uh, and I was expecting more of this, excuse me, but it really begins at the beginning, which I'm grateful for. Uh, yeah. After everything else that I read from the New 52, it has a lot of, to, it, it wins, scores a lot of points for me with, like, starting with Supergirl on Earth, having no idea what she, where she <laughs> is. There really are an incredible number of comics that basically start in media res. Mm-hmm. And even though they're filled with exposition, don't actually really establish much. No, 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 no. The exposition is like this. It's like... It's actually like weirdly unnecessary exposition. Yeah, yeah. It's really unnecessary. It It, it feels like 30% editorial fiat, 30% hasty... Like, ooh, we're trying to tantalize you with mystery, and forty percent like someone was writing these scripts way too fast and threw too much in, figuring stuff would get cut out, and then nothing got cut. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I actually I like Supergirl. I ended up reading Green Lantern from last week, uh, and enjoying it. Weirdly enough, I actually yeah, not weirdly it's enough. A, mm-hmm. It's a weird. Um... Sitcom type thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it kind of works as a comedy. Yeah, actually, the comedy twists were really great. Like, not just the part where I mean, because it is a really great hook. The whole thing where Hal Jordan asks her to co-sign his his car loan is great. But then when she gets upset and she drives off, and he's like, "Carol, wait! You drove me here." I was like, "That's really funny. That is actually, you know." That's that's I I was like hey this is this is this is like um, not just comic book funny this is uh, <laughs> legitimately funny <laughs> yeah this is kind of legitimately funny so yeah I I sort of uh, I ended up digging it also Doug Monkey's art was a fascinating blend of uh, Dave Gibbons and Steve Dillon to me like it was Doug, Doug Monkey time. is like the most underrated. <laughs> Guy at DC, completely. Well, mm-hmm. years. Yeah, he has been. He has been. I mean, I think you and I have both been fans ever since Justice League. I mean, maybe farther back for you. Yeah, but... I, I loved him on um, was it Man of Steel? Whatever Superman comic was. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, not... he, he was great. He was always stuck with, and no offense to all the Superman writers, he was always stuck with the Bush writer from whoever was on the four books at the time. Mm. But it was always worth picking up for his art. Yeah, his his art is fantastic, and of course. Uh, it's a shame because I really felt the conclusion of Final Crisis and the amazing work he did on Superman Beyond was like, oh, okay, this guy's going to get recognized, and I guess he did because I he did. I'm sure... Green Lanterns, yeah, Green big... Lanterns the fl- is a fly one of the flagship books. So, um, but I'm fascinated to the extent that I guess what I was expecting, with the exception of a few panels, more of it was. I was surprised how much some of the line work in the faces reminded me more of Gibbons or, like I said, weirdly... 
actually, yeah, weirdly, um, Dylan, uh, did you read the Dead Man book? That's the other one that I read. That I did. And I think, like I read it, I think I've read it like three times, and yet I'm not sure if any of it has stuck with me at any point. Oh, interesting. Um, I I have to say that I was incredibly resistant to it. Hib said good stuff about it. And, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, this is very much sort of a TV show. It's got it's got the TV show hook. They've they've changed the hook a little bit. Um, I ended up kind of liking it. I, I don't know if it's all of I, and I'm not a fan of Paul Jenkins normally, frankly, but I don't know if like all of his work doing retelling those Marvel origins. But I thought the tweaks that he made to the Dead Man origin were kind of nice, you know. Um, there's that lovely little sequence where uh, Ramakrishna uh, is showing him sort of his destiny and how it works, and she talks about the human bricks and the the pendulum, and there's this guy at the end. It was like I was like, this was all really well done. I I thought it was a that was a book where I can see where it did not sink in or it just moved right through you, but I think that actually the exposition on that was pretty good. Um, and and it, it it felt like there was a lot in there. Although maybe it was a super long story, I don't know. Um, no, no, I, I think it's, it's twenty pages. Like yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It just it, there's something really weird about it because honestly, the second time I read it, it was like the first time I've read it. Mm. <laughs> and bear in mind, I got these comics yesterday. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I'm waiting a long time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. between reading them. Right. I, I don't know what it is. There's something about the comic that just did not stay with me at all. I can understand that. I mean, like I said, I was resistant to it, and uh, I don't think I would have read it if I hadn't been in the exact combination of things that I did. And I'm not even really necessarily saying that I recommend it, but out of the out of the books that I read this week for DC, it ranks higher than I thought it would have. 